All right, and welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. It's another edition, another episode, if you will, of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you here from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, despite the temperatures, despite the fires, despite the COVID. Uh, uh, we are live here. In addition, my co-host joining me from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, Stephen Marsh is with me. We're here to talk club hockey with you for the next hour. Have a very special guest joining us as well. So uh, first and foremost, my uh, my co-host, how are you, Stephen Marsh? I'm doing well. Yeah, you you got quite a lot of activity going on in Arizona there with the, with the fires, <laughs> with uh, with the coronavirus, just really uh, scary, you know, scary numbers there, and uh, everybody's just uh, you know here in Nevada the the numbers have gone up too, but certainly not to the extent Arizona has. Uh, the governor here not ready to move us into phase three yet. Arizona maybe needing to go back a phase. I don't know, but uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah well, we're talking about hockey, so that's good. Let, let me tell you that, first and foremost. We're not going backwards, according, uh, according to our governor. We're going to try some face masks. We're going to try to continue to social distance and keep small groups. But uh, I don't think backwards is an option in the state of Arizona, which is kind of scary when you figure we had 2,392 new cases two days ago, 1,800 today. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Uh it just it's affecting everybody right now. The governor even said himself that uh, that he knew several people that had been affected by it. So it is a, a dangerous thing. It's something that needs to be taken seriously. And, and if you're not wearing a mask, get yourself one and wear it every time you can because that will help, folks. Uh, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it'll definitely help. And as I said, uh, you know, we're here to talk college, uh, club hockey in the desert southwest. And I want to start off, Stephen, tonight, uh, before we get to our special guest who uh, is going to join us in about uh, 13 minutes or so, Derek Harper from the Hockey Writers up in, uh, in the great state of Washington and uh, does some stuff for the BCHL, which we know a lot of players come to uh, play club hockey and NCAA hockey down here in the States. And Certainly in the desert southwest, you can look at the UNLV roster, the Arizona roster, uh, Grand Canyon, and Arizona State and find players from there or have been players from there. So lots of good stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, I want you to tell me about Let's Play Hockey ACHA style. Yeah, so the uh, the ACHA on their website and from their commissioner, Craig Barnett, uh, released a letter saying that uh, they intend to start the season on time, uh, it says the ACHA intends to have a regular start to the 2020-21 season for all members that are permitted by their respective colleges and universities to compete this fall. Then there's some other uh, inner stuff with, with clubs and stuff like that. But the other paragraph I thought was was uh, was interesting. It says the ACHA, though, will continue to monitor the college and university plans on returning to campus and sports as well as the lead of several organizations such as the CDC, the NCAA, and USA Hockey regarding the COVID-19 situation. We are also working on several contingency plans to implement if need be due to the fluidity of these uncertain times. So, you know, while the plan is to go forward and start on time, you know, things certainly could still change. You know, there's concerns in the fall that we might have another wave, although are we out of the wave we're in right now even, but if we're going to have another spike in the fall, we have to reevaluate. So, um, let's optimistically though things right now ACHA plans to start on time and uh, so the teams can start preparing and of course there might be some schools that will have you know maybe won't be able to, to play but uh, you know depending on how the COVID situation is in there or how their university situation is for the fall but but the league as a league is going to start on time with those that are able to, to, to start on time as well. Yeah, I don't think that's any surprise uh, that they would want to do that. I mean, uh, it's, you know, we're trying to get back to normal as safely as we can. And we know the NHL is doing everything they can to get back. Uh, we know that uh, uh, the NCAA is kind of sitting back and waiting to see what happens with NCAA football before they make their decisions. But club hockey taking the lead and uh, and doing their thing, if you will. If you're going to school, you're going to have the opportunity to play hockey, it sounds like. And who knows, Stephen? We know one thing, I guess, is that it's going to be, a little different, whether it's uh, without fans, whether it's social distancing fans every six feet, whether it's fans wearing masks, uh, you know, it's going to be different for certain. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. I, I saw on the uh, UNLV site that they're preparing to have their, their annual fundraiser golf tournament at the end of August. So that's exciting to, you know, yeah. try to put everything together when we can and go from there. So we have a lot of things to cover, uh, a lot of things to talk about, but 
Um, I think the fact that they just put a plan out there and they said, hey, if we have to revise it, we'll revise it. But if we don't, we're going forward. I think that kind of settled everything down. Your thoughts on that? I Yeah, I mean, I having a plan is good. We saw, you know, the NHL came out with – with their plan and, you know, that they've even stated, you know, it could change, you know, depending on health situations that there's some flexibility of some things, but, but they, but this is what their, their plan is. You know, the NBA put forth what their plan is. And again, they always are cautiously, you know, saying that, you know, op, you know, it, it could change, you know, depending on how the COVID thing is. So it's not like it's a set in stone thing. Like they're, they're bound by that, but that's what their plan is unless something changes with COVID, you know, or, we see that we wait for the colleges, and that's going to be what we wait to see what the plan is there. But a lot of colleges have already said they're going to be back on the in the fall classes in person. You know, there'll be some restrictions, probably some some distancing and stuff like that. Maybe restrictions on how many people can be in a class. But we haven't heard about the athletics yet on a lot of these, except that they do plan to have games. Although in some in some football, you know, where they have like a hundred thousand people, they've already said they're only going to maybe have like twenty thousand people instead of that many. So, you know, there are going to be differences there. And then, you know, baseball, we're still waiting to see what happens with baseball, you know, going back and forth. Now. I mean, this is not a baseball show. I keep changing the sport here. I just, but, but uh, this is a hockey show, so we won't focus on that. But it just, is, it keeps upsetting me because I want to see some baseball game this year. But, but uh, it seems like there's a, there's a proposal that just came out today that maybe we'll have some positive stuff. But. Well, I know, I know you're feeling on that. And I feel the same way because it, it, baseball had the opportunity to be the first sport to return. And to uh, set it, set the groundwork, and and if they had done things the right way, there's a chance that they could have made a big deal out about starting, uh, maybe on Independence Day, on July 4th, they could have had the first games and and really grabbed this moment and tried to turn it into something positive. And uh, to be honest with you, I think they shot themselves in the foot. They just uh, didn't get uh, things done in time. And now at the very earliest, sounds like mid to late July before they can start. So. Um, you know what? We need sports back just from the standpoint that we need some optimism, right? We need something to cheer for, something to look forward to. Oh, and, it, you know, as things piece back together here, uh, I think it's going to come back around. I really do. I think they're going to figure out ways to do stuff. And, you know, we're a pretty innovative country, so I think that will happen down the road. Um, I do yeah. want to mention before we bring on our, uh, our first guest here in about seven minutes or so, but our, our A guest, our special guest, um, tonight that, you know, when you and I were talking about uh, recruits and, and bringing in players, we've, we've joked kind of, and it's not really a joke anymore, but the uh, the teams in the desert Southwest are in an arms race uh, for quality players and they get quality players from everywhere. Uh, if you watch the Twitter feeds from UNLV and U of A and, and certainly Grand Canyon, uh, ASU not leaking too much. We talked to Tate Green last week and he doesn't leak too much of his info, but uh, everybody seems to be looking for talent everywhere, and the British Columbia Hockey League is no different. There's a lot of players up there that end up going NCAA, but there's also a lot of players that don't get a stall in the NCAA locker room, and they look to come down and prove themselves, if you will, in uh, in the ACHA ranks. And, and the teams down here have been benefactors. So just your thought on, on the kids coming down from Canada and, and making impacts in the uh, American – uh, Club Hockey Association. Well, I mean, we, we've said this before, especially, you know, at the D1 level with ACHA and D2 too, but uh, the the level of hockey is so high. And in some, you know, in some cases, players prefer to come to an ACHA team, even though, you know, instead of going to like a D2, D3 NCAA program, which, you know, I think would be, would be good, but but they uh, they come they decide they want to play at the ACHA uh, uh, D one level and it's or D two, but it's it's really uh, it's yeah it's pretty amazing, um, you know what recruiting that we see from I mean I'm I'm always amazed each year where where UNLV get, you know gets gets a lot of these players and all the recruiting that goes into place it's it really is you know it's really like a lot of you know, NCA programs are kind of, you know, the way they do things. And they, they take it serious. Same with Arizona, Arizona State. You know, Van Candy knows that they, they've had to – I think last year they, they realized, okay, we, we really got to step it up and, and get some get some players. And they've certainly – they certainly have. I just wrote down you know, one that they just uh, committed – got committed a couple of days ago, uh, Colin Stewart, 
um, who's from, um, you know, whose most recent team that he played for was the St. Louis Junior Blues. Now, Hunter Mazzullo, who had a great season in his first season with UNLV uh, last season, um, came from that team, came from that, there was crew recruited from the St. Louis Junior Blues as well. So it'll be kind of interesting to follow that storyline if, if we see those two face off against each other and if they got to play together at all. I don't know. I, I don't know if, uh, if Stuart, how long Stuart was on, if there was some tie over there. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's, it's quite amazing to see. You know the, the the hockey echelon. How ACHA is is not just a it's not a settled league. You know it's it's a it's a wanna play in league. Not you know NCAA obviously is the top one, but, but the <laughs> right. ACHA is right there in in, in in players wanting to come and play. Absolutely, and and like we say, uh, a lot of the times it it comes down to the university. I mean, you can play quality college hockey. Um, and still get a great education at a big university if you choose not to go to like an NCAA Division three school that's much smaller typically. Uh, the University of Arizona, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Arizona State, even Grand Canyon are pretty large universities now. So that is an option. Uh, I also want to follow that up. Again, it's another trivia night. Uh, we do uh, trivia Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night on our podcast for June and July presented by our friends at Summer Skates. And uh, tonight's trivia, we'll announce that at the end of the show and uh, give you a trivia question. I know you've got a good one because I already saw it. I, I peeked at it already, so looking forward to that. Uh, so Pucks on the Pod is the hashtag, hashtag Pucks on the Pod. You'll want to uh, tweet us your answer at IceTimeSW tonight after the show, and uh, we will pick out a winner for a prize pack from our friends at Summer Skates. In addition, uh, Stephen, I do want to throw out a little tease because uh, we've got a promotion coming up in August called uh, uh, Hockey is Back, and uh, that's going to be promote- promoted for the entire month with prize packs from our friends at M-Drive. So look forward to that coming back in August when uh, hockey is officially back, we hope, fingers crossed. Right. In the meantime, let's take a quick break, Stephen. Let's come back and uh, introduce our special guest for the night in just two minutes. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your prime with M-Drive. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy with you in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Stephen Marsh, as always, uh, joining us from uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's our pleasure tonight to introduce our special guest from the great <clears throat> Northwest, Derek Harper from Derek Harper Sports, uh, the hockey writers, a little bit of everything. But, Derek, you got Scott and Steven with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Can you hear me? 
We can hear you loud and clear. So uh, uh, I wanted to have you on. You and I have chatted a little bit on, on Twitter, and I know your ambition, but uh, <laughs> tell everybody out there what you do right now. I know you're a student and uh, where you're at right now in the country, and and uh, what brings your love for hockey to the surface? Um, <clears throat> just kind of a little bit of everything. I grew up – I wasn't into hockey for until middle school. I grew up on the Trailblazers, actually, and all those Brandon Roy teams and stuff that – uh, sixth grade, I went to the first WHL game and got hooked after that on when they beat uh, the Hawks beat Seattle six to two, and um, now I've just been involved with college club teams actually in the ACHA at the D two level <clears throat> with PSU Vikings when they when they had a team, and I've been involved with junior A teams in the Western State. And now I've been involved with the BCHL, whether it's been a site, and now I'm working on an internship probably next season if Canada allows the Wild to uh, play. So, <laughs> Very good. Uh, and you're, you're up in uh, the Great Northwest, as I said, but tell us exactly where you're located at in uh, Vancouver, Washington, correct? Yes, it is. It's right next to the metro area down here where Nike is, the Beaverton, PDX area. I mean, it's about two hours two to three hours south of Seattle. Okay, fantastic. And, you know, I know you've looked through some some things and seen uh, what we do. We have professional hockey that we cover on Mondays. We do NCAA hockey on Tuesdays. And, of course, club hockey is our staple on Wednesdays on our podcast. And uh, I know you have some ambitions of uh, maybe coming down here to Arizona State. So so give us a little fill-in on that. What do you want to do uh, after you're done up there? Central Washington right now where you're at? Yeah, it's Ellensburg. I mean, well, I'm home right now in Vancouver because um, due to the pandemic that hit, we were basically told, okay, everything's going online after the first two quarters. So packed it up and came home, did all spring quarter online. So it's been different, but I've been able to stay in touch with people, write articles and stuff. I changed sites so I can now cover the league in general for the wild instead of just the team. But, yeah, I'm hoping to get into sportscasting, sports journalism, and I have met multiple people through baseball, actually, and um, just through Twitter and stuff, and school contacts saying how great ASU is for that. And So I'm hoping to, if all pans out in the next year or so, head down there possibly. Well, the Cronkite School is one of the best, and you said baseball. I think I may have lost you now to my co-host because Stephen March is, is a big baseball fan. Stephen, you got anything you want to jump in with on uh, on Derek tonight? Uh, sure, yeah. You know, uh, I know this is, of course, club club hockey, but, uh, you know, I, I just saw today about, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Washington, actually Seattle, and, of course, there's the, the, the buzz up there about the NHL coming to Seattle and uh, they, of course, announced today that they're going to delay a little bit about the announcing of their team name. But, um, you know, just discuss a little bit. Um, we'll get into the club hockey thing, But just, just about since it's in the news, Seattle and, and how excited are people up there for ho- NHL hockey in Seattle and how that can all work together up there in, in, the, in, the, in that area? It's, it's kind of funny, actually. Um, I'm, I'm a Canucks fan, and I'm not really going to leave the Canucks when that happens. I've told people they think I'm crazy. <clears throat> but yeah, they're loving it. I mean, people are, they're jacked. I mean, it's not, the enthusiasm isn't always here. It's, you meet some people and they're going, oh, it's hockey. I don't really care. But a lot of people, I, I was surprised when they put out the season ticket list. I was in class one day at school and it was in my local campus here, actually WSU campus. And I was seeing all the tickets going, I'm like, holy cow, this is for real. But then um, I, w- I was not surprised at the arena delay, actually, because um, last spring, 2019, it was kind of funny. My parents and I were up walking around their building when seeing what was going on there. And a construction worker comes up to us and tells us that they do not think the building will be done when they proje- pro- projected it to be. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's... Uh... That, that that's something that 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 uh, we know all all too well down here in ASU. Uh, they've been trying to get their building built for the last uh, three or four years, and it looks like cross your fingers that we're going to get things uh, broken ground in November, and hopefully uh, by August of 2022, we'll be playing in a new on-campus facility down here. So That'd be great. that's something to look forward to. When we talk about club hockey, though, uh, Derek, and we talk about the growth of it here in the desert Southwest, uh, UNLV 
the University of Arizona, Arizona State, and Grand Canyon have all grown uh, exponentially over the last uh, five years since we started this website and company. And uh, I'm just amazed at the talent, right? I mean, they go up and get talent from all yeah. over, and the BCHL is definitely a spot. So tell us a little bit about the talent the BCHL. I know they sent a lot of guys to the NCAA programs, but there's a lot of guys left over that don't find stalls at NCAA level and come back and play ACHA hockey. How good is the play up there? It's good. I mean, Wenatchee is the only American team, and I actually just got involved late in the season, but I've been able to get up to speed very quick. And um, they have one of the most well-known general managers who stepped down from his coaching position this year. But their general manager in the wild, uh, Bliss, he is so well-known for developing talent that not just the collegiate ranks. I mean, they have people who go on to the professional levels. Uh, whether it's Europe or the AHL, who they just had a guy go to the AHL actually, <clears throat> and it's it's crazy. The fans love it. It's really good hockey, despite, despite major junior fans. There's a really big difference though with the WHL out here and the BCHL. People don't give the BCHL enough credit. I've noticed they'll go, "Oh, it's a step down," but it's really not. When you think about it, one is developing players for the professional levels, and the other for the collegiate. But at the same time, you'll see players go for both levels. The main difference is that the BCHL, they can go to American colleges. The WHL is considered professional by the NCAA, so they can't do that. They have to go to Canadian colleges only or the professionals. So that's really the main difference is that one's the Grimmian for the pros and the other for college. But they still benefit from the uh, – they still go to professional levels at the BCHL. And the talent is just – it's pretty dang good. I mean, there's some notable names here and there, so. You know, and, and when you speak of notable names, there's uh, maybe not a whole bunch in the ACHA ranks, but but here at uh, at ASU, there's a, a lot of uh, uh, former NHLers that are sending their kids here to play, and it's, it's always kind of shocking. I mean, obviously, uh, Austin Lemieux is, is the big name here, and, and it's rare when you go into Oceanside Ice Arena, it seats about 900 when it's jam-packed. And in our press box, occasionally, you'll look over down uh, to your right, and you'll see Mario Lemieux standing by the glass, just like he Seriously? was a uh, just like he was a, a parent uh, at a uh, at a junior game or a high school game or something that like that. So, sick. It, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But what's the talk among players up there? Do you do you hear much chatter when you when you are at <clears> games <throat> and stuff that did they talk about wanting to come and play hockey in the states? Um, no, I, I was actually got the privilege to chat with some players this year, but and just listen to them in the press box because they wild out a pretty injury riddled team and young team. So there's always a player in the press box, or one or two or even three. But they mainly talked about certain players that were out on the ice and just about the other buildings and about certain players and jokes left and right. So you don't really hear that, but you do uh, towards the end of the season. You hear about college commits, and you'll see on their twitters they'll be congratulating each other. And, the Wild have two guys that went off to Bentley. Well, excuse me, they have one guy that's gone off to Bentley, but they have another that's going to, surprisingly, he actually surprised us all. He's made his commitment, but he's going to stay in Wenatchee and be a 20-year-old on the blue line for, on the defensive side this year before going off to that to college to join his former teammate. And that's Tanner Maine, and Drew Bavaro is the one going off this year. So, I mean, they produce a lot of talent, and, so you see that, and you have guys going off to Air Force. Like I think their captain, I forget, it's Brian Adams. When he went off to Air Force this 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 year, so I mean you have people going off towards the end of the year. They'll tribute them and kind of tell where everybody's going. And I mean, they really they churn out the talent there. And I interviewed the general manager for an article for a site that I used to be with, and he she just says, yeah, they groom for the college ranks, and they have people going to the professionals, but their main objective with the owner is to get them to college. And that's exactly what they're doing. You can go down the wilds list. And it's like one after another. So it's, I mean, it's really good hockey. They have a really good developmental system there. And the town just loves them. I mean, yeah. that, that was going to be my fault. Not that way. That was going to be my follow up to that, uh, Derek, but I'll let uh, Steven jump in. If you've got anything, <laughs> Steven, that you want to maybe tell them about Las Vegas and, and why some of those guys should come play in uh at UNLV. Sure. I mean, I, uh, you know, you, 
Las Vegas is has uh, become quite a hockey. You know, we were talking about the Seattle NHL team, and, and I was thinking about when the Golden Knights came to play, uh, when they came to, to, to be known here in, in Las Vegas and uh, and how excited the city was. You know, the uh, season ticket drive, uh, they had thousands and thousands of tickets within, like, uh, deposits within, like, minutes uh, since they went live on it. And, and people doubted whether, whether you know, and what's different with Vegas, with the, of course, is from where Seattle is, you know, Vegas. Yeah. Well, but the but the it's our first <laughs> professional sports team. You know, Seattle is, has you know they have baseball there now, and they have basketball, of course, have left and and uh, but you know we had no we have no pro f- football. We have well we're going to have pro football now, but no no baseball uh, except the minors leagues and no no professional teams. So when the NHL was announced to come here, people were excited it was like this big step vegas just continued to grow and to grow and and really the only thing that was really missing was maybe to have a, our own pro team you know once we got around the gambling th- the sports betting thing then people th- that was becoming more widely accepted and and the, and the commissioners of leagues and they accepted it and actually formed partnerships and stuff uh there was that was really the only barrier that was left and, and so the excitement for for hockey is 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 great here so um there's always a I think we we see with with and UNLV has been a benefit of that, um, you know. Here, we're getting players from all over the place, so um, I, I think it's it's great. You know, you want to come down here, to, you know, go down to Arizona State, and 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 you'll see for yourself if you make your way down here how exactly how it's it's is growing, and 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 I think it's even going to grow even more. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been kind of shocking. I've I actually have a little bit of Vegas gear. I've been down there not since they have the team, but we had family and friends that lived there. Okay. So they moved about two hours away to a small town in uh, Utah, Utah. But mm-hmm. yeah, they they got me a puck and a nice shirt and a hat. So but it's been really cool to see the growth in that city of hockey. I mean, I've always talked to all people about how the sport doesn't get enough credit and stuff, and to see it growing in a desert like that is kind of crazy. I mean, UNLV. I don't know who runs their Twitter, but they told me in a tweet. They plan to go Division One as well in the NCAA, except for they're waiting for another team to make the jump first. Right, right, yeah, that's the big, that's the big, uh, that's the big goal for them is is they want to make that step to the, you know, Arizona State did that a few years ago, and and um, and then you know he's looking to to do the same, and you know there's always rumblings, and there's a lot of and you know UNLV packs the the city national the practice facility the Golden Knights for their games and. And, uh, and, and there is, there is, that's the goal, you know, with, you know, the money thing has got to be resolved and, 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 you know, we, uh, sports and some of their other sports have to improve. And, and, but I, I think we, we keep talking about it, Scott and I keep talking about it. It's, it's probably going to happen at some point, but, but probably a few years down the road, but yeah, I, that's certainly could, a goal for them. I could see GCU maybe making the jump with them. Um, I don't know what the right, other Right, or U of A. I had another you, one in mind. Yeah, U of A, a or even Center. Some, or even some of the uh, Southern California schools, you know, they have some hockey. They're not in the ACHA D1, but they, if they could get, if they could get in, in involved, they can, uh, you know, they, there's a lot of hockey potential out here in the in the Southwest area. And, and I think yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if you see the Ducks actually come in. The Generals, the junior A team, there, they're taking a second year. I was informed by their coach, <clears throat> they're taking a second year off to prepare just for the future and stuff. But yeah, I don't know if you saw Oregon's new track and field stadium it's beyond belief <laughs> if it's oregon's we know it is <laughs> yeah, <But> yeah. <laughs> i think if the I mean the ducks have been rated one of the best college hockey jerseys and they're one of the top collegiate teams in the acha last season so i would be shocked if they make the jump as well sometime in the near future once they have a barn that's not seasonal <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. But now it's a it's a it's at the fair actually so yeah, I hear you. well, Derek, I'll tell you what, what Coach Powers here at ASU has, has told us, and Stephen and I have talked about this numerous times, and we talk about it on all of our shows, but Coach Powers is a big proponent of uh, ACHA hockey. That's how his program got started. He won a national championship, and he'll tell you uh, when you ask him, what is it going to take to make it to the next level? He'll say, you got to have the university backing. you got to have the finances, obviously. But the one thing that a lot of schools, I think, in the past have missed out on is he says you have to win at the ACHA level and and not just win a lot of games, but win the championship. That's what he did. That's what propelled them. And uh, he thinks that if you can't win that national championship, which he also says is the hardest in hockey, 
that uh, you can't make that jump. Now, we're going to find out because Long Island University announced this year that they were going NCAA, and we'll see what they can do. But um, I think that's that's what UNLV and everybody wants to do is get good enough to win a national championship and then ride the coattails of that championship into the next level which would be NCAA. Your yeah. thoughts on that? I think it's a good chance. I mean, I think Oregon actually got pretty close this year. I think they won the region or something. And then um, I think they lost in the semifinal or something. It's been a while. But I think, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I've seen that with uh, PSU up here with the Vikings. They they were able to win on a consistent basis, but the program just fizzled when their players just kind of graduated and stuff. <clears throat> but I think it's the growth of the sport's really going to help. I think – I think the Henderson Silver Knights will help hugely. And I think now, if UNLV goes D1, they have their building there in uh, Henderson, probably, if they'll let them play there. I mean, I think that's a big step. I think you have to have the backing for, obviously, ASU is an anonymously or whatever that saying is. But it's just, I think they have a really good chance of that. And I think in the next five, ten years, we can see two to four more teams up in the division one level. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that's what coach power says is there's clearly not enough, what he calls uh, stalls in the NCAA level to, uh, to do that. So we, you know, we kind of watch things and I know we're talking club hockey here, but we watch things from the NCAA level. We saw LIU come in and be team number 61. And then about a two week period later, Huntsville left for a week before they got, you know, a reprieve was able to come back. So now we're back to 61 teams, at least for this year. But, you know, in the club hockey ranks, we're talking about guys that are trying to prove themselves. Right. And, and UNLV and Steven can attest to this. Uh, They sent a player a couple of years ago over to play in France. So he got a professional contract after playing at UNLV's level. And, And we've seen a lot of players that I think have an opportunity to play professional hockey somewhere uh, at the ACHA level, and be honest with you, I could have told you, uh, you know, five years ago that probably there wasn't any player in ACHA hockey in the Desert Southwest that was going to make that jump ever. Um, so it, it's pretty cool. But I want to touch on one more thing with you. Uh, I want to touch a little bit about that fan support because, to me, especially here in Arizona, in Vegas is different. Stephen can attest to that too. That you know the fans are crazy for their hockey. But here in Arizona, they're kind of hit or miss, right? Yeah. If you're winning, they're behind you. But if not, um, it's hard to get people excited. And I know it's got to do with buildings and things like that. But but up in the Pacific Northwest and certainly the BCHL, uh, it's pretty rabid fan behavior, isn't it? Yeah. And like you said, in Arizona, I've noticed out the Coyotes, and you see that with all the snow snowboard fans. I'm – I – don't know how to word this. I'm worried about the Coyotes' future when Seattle comes in. With them switching to the Central Division and knowing Houston's been brought up so much, I hope that the Coyotes can find a solid footing there with some sort of venue in that region. But it wouldn't shock me if they went away. But as far as the Northwest is concerned, I mean, it is pretty rabid. It's a little bit more than I thought. Um, I've actually had the privilege this season of going and being at school and just under three hours from the east side of the state and about two hours from the west side. So I went to Tri-City to see a WHL game. And their building is not great by any means, but their fan support is behind them 110%, as well as the west side of Kent in Seattle. Ever I did not get to, unfortunately. The pandemic struck before I could make the playoffs there. But, I mean, the fan support Seattle will definitely have it, and I think it's going to be like um, the soccer down here where we where they sell out every single game, there's going to be a waiting list like they have right now, and people are going to have to get on that wait list to try to get season tickets. I mean, I also know that venue very well. I've been there a few times for basketball, and it's not great. I think they would have been better off downtown, but, I mean, it is what it is. But that venue, it's, gonna, it's a good location, but it's just traffic-wise, it's not. But the designs I've seen, it's going to be really top of the line. I think Seattle's going to get behind their team 100%. It's, and the thing to note is it's not just Seattle's team. It's, it's the whole region. I mean, I, I know fans down here that are going to go. I mean, you'll people from the east side driving across on I-90 to go to games. And, you know, the Canucks fans going down and the Seattle fans going up. So, I mean, it's going to – I think it was a really good location. And 
it's going to be really fun to see the fans and the rivalries with the the Nucks up north. It's going to be real fun to see. Steven, you got another one for Derek? Yeah, you know, and, and you look at and you look at you know at the expansion draft that the Golden Knights did and how they that was a masterful uh, experience with them how they were able to put together and you wonder how the Seattle team will will be able to to exhibit but you know we talk about just hockey in Vegas and and you know we have a junior hockey team here in Vegas as well with the, the Las Vegas Thunderbirds I think their this is their second season playing and and so there's just so much hockey and and, and you mentioned with the Henderson coming in. Uh, they're building the rink there, and and there's so much uh, drive for hockey, and um, it just it's it's such a it's such a great thing to see. I, I hope that uh, you know obviously it's Washington and Seattle uh, that you know that area has a lot of that now, but you know hopefully the NHL can can be a real big hit there. It would be great rival. It would be a great rivalry for, between Seattle and and Vegas because they'll be the two ex- the newest teams in the league. So that'll be kind of cool when they get to face off uh, in the NHL. Yeah, I think the Vegas thing, they'll you'll you'll have the expansion rivalry, but I think the main rival for Seattle is going to be up north with the Canucks because I mean I've seen it in Facebook groups already and on pages. The two teams <laughs> even even on Twitter are taking shots, and it's like two years prior. I'm, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. So let me ask you this: Being a Canucks fan, uh, how excited are you for the uh, the 2014 proposed uh, format for the NHL coming back? Because you know that's uh, it's different, right? We're all looking forward to see what happens uh, to play without fans. But how excited are you as a Canucks fan to see? First of all, every team is going to have a healthy roster, and they're going to have you know with the expanded rosters the ability to take players uh, from the AHL level as well. How excited are you for that? I'm really excited. I was really disappointed when Sven Berchi, a former Portland winter, winter Hawk, was demoted to the AHL after he had just had issues with his – he had hit after hit, and he took a lot out to the head. <clears throat> and we all know what happens there, but he'll, he'll be able to come back up. He's one of the players they allowed to come back up. And um, I think they should rock those black skate jerseys. I actually bought one of those when they came out. And um, – but – I'm excited to see them make the playoffs. I started following the Canucks uh, a little when in 2011 was the first year. Kind of started paying attention. The middle school got more in, into the sport, but it's going to be fun to see. I, I, in my opinion, I kind of wish they waited till next season, just kind of regrouped and had a normal season because I just feel even if they win the cup, it's not going to be the real feeling of it. But I mean, it's going to be it's fun to see. They have a young team. I was supposed to go up there in March for a career event, actually with Canucks professionals and meet the media and stuff and um, go to a presentation there in March and then go to the game against the uh, Sharks, actually. But it didn't happen, obviously, with COVID. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch when when it comes back. And I think the Canucks have a real shot. I think they can get past the Wild, as we've seen in a few games before. And uh, I think that's going to be an extra motivator for Brock Bezer being from Minnesota or North Dakota, one of those two states. And uh, you're both actually. <laughs> he grew up in Minnesota. I, I'm no, a Minnesota native, so I can tell you that he grew up in, in uh, the Minneapolis area, but played at University of North Dakota. So, yeah, he's uh, he's a, a top notch player, no doubt. Yeah, I saw his first game. I was watching at home. I saw his first game when he played, and he had like three goals, and he had played in college like literally the night prior. <laughs> I was like, whoa, right? I was like, this kid's going to be good. But then Pedersen came on the scene, and it was like, okay. <laughs> um, so they have a really bright future. They've really got to work on the contracts, though. I think Pedersen's is actually expiring, and uh, Markstrom is expiring. So they've really got to figure out a way, and they let their key head scout go, which Canucks Twitter has been up in arms about. It's been a literal civil war on Twitter with Canucks fans because of their Judd bracket that they let go. So <clears throat> um, it's going to be interesting, especially come next season with the contracts, and they'll have to find a way to keep Pedersen. Markstrom, they, I can see like go, but they're gonna have to find a really suitable replacement for him. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's, I'm looking forward to seeing hockey live again. But um, I just hope they keep it in the format it is instead of going like December, December, January to August. That's been mentioned as like a permanent solution. I'm that hockey is not a summer sport; it's a fall and winter and early spring. So I'm hoping they can keep it on that schedule. I think they, sh- if anything, they should move it back to when major junior starts and 
early September. But um, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I was thinking the same thing, Derek, when, when and Stephen will be able to attest to, to uh, my talk on this as well because I, uh, I said I thought they should just have canceled the season and, and tried to do what the NFL did, right, like have a big uh, NHL draft and made a big extravaganza out of it and, and showed people really what the amateur draft is like and, and the NHL draft uh, and then try to start up fresh. I really thought that's the way they should go, and who knows? It maybe maybe it will, maybe it won't. But um, once the, uh, the proposal came out, and I understand they're doing it for the TV deal and all that, uh, I'm excited about it. But to bring it full circle back to club hockey, Stephen and I opened the show today talking about how the uh, ACHA is saying, "Hey, we're going full full speed ahead unless something stops us," and uh, that's the exciting part about it. Is uh, Things up there in the in the northwest, the WHL and and the BCHL still planning to go full bore ahead too, or or yeah, what's the, the WHL there? released a piece today saying <clears throat> WHL has delayed their season about a month, but that is it. They pushed it back a month, and they still somehow expect to play the regular amount of games. The only thing that's going to be different here, when what I see in the article says that they basically have to they're working with provincial health authorities and state health authorities on. <clears throat> how to get the fans back in the building and the number of fans and stuff. And same with the BCHL and the Nimo and the BCHL has said, Hey, what we're probably going to do is only allow season ticket holders in the game and probably cap it off at 1,500 or so. But the BCHL <clears throat> is interesting in that you have one American team and that's the right. problem. The wild <laughs> are going forward as saying, I actually got off the phone today uh, talking about an internship with the wild. And they said, yeah, we're, we're planning to play just so we're not lagging behind and we're kind of dragging our feet and then caught off guard at the last moment. But Canada, not Hockey not hockey Canada, but the provincial government actually has to say if the Wild can play with all the cases we have here in the state um, come September. But right now they're going forward like they will play, but it's honestly up to Canada. And so it's going to be interesting to see. But the thing that surprised me at the WHL, Prince Albert Raiders over in nowhere – Grand Prairie <laughs> in Canada, their venue due to financials was shut down until January 2021. So for them to come back next season, they must have figured something out or I don't, I don't know, but because they are not supposed to open their barn until Jan and January. So we'll see what happens there. It's going to be interesting. I'll, uh, I'll let you go on one final one for me, Stephen. Do you have a final one or do you want me to, to, to send him off in style here. Well, I, I just I, I did want to bring up this because uh, we're talking, uh, you mentioned the WHL, and I was thinking about uh, Cody Glass, who's a, is an alum, of course, of the Portland Winter Hogs and has become a great star, finally got his debut with the Golden Knights, and he's been great up until he had an injury. He's, not, he's out this rest of the year. But, um, well, how, I mean, how much do you were able to, to, to see Cody Glass and, and know if, him and, and and how how beloved is he up in in that Portland area that that, that up in that Pacific uh, Northwest? I actually bought his Vegas Golden Knights shirt when he signed with the Knights. I bought his shirt. <laughs> um, he's the girls go gaga over him. Um, <laughs> the whole fan base though loves him. I mean, he is he's a stud. I mean, he and Kiefer Bellows, those two, that duo. It was like Ratty and Berchi back in the day. Bellows and Glass would just go back and forth, passing it to each other and score. I mean, they were just an electric duo to watch. It was really fun. And that kid, I wouldn't be shocked if he had his name retired eventually by the team for the few years he was here. He was he was a really good kid. I mean, he he's one of the best players they've found. And he was the first draft <clears> pick in their history. Team. He was their very first, uh, very first draft pick in the in that first. Yeah, time. that was pretty cool. That, that was pretty draft. dang cool to see. And yeah, the opposing fan bases you'd see on Twitter, or Facebook, or even <laughs> talking in person, they'd be like, the girls would be like, "I'll make an exception because he's cute." And the and the, all the <laughs> others, but the actual fans were like, "I can't stand that guy. All he does is score on us." <laughs> so I'll tell you I'll tell you a quick story about Cody Glass um, when the Golden Knights uh, were in their inaugural season and they were winding down uh, getting prepared for their first ever playoff run uh, I did a, a story on them a little feature on on the team 
and the fan base and how they grew everybody. Because one of the things that I was amazed by, Derek, was when you go to a Golden Knights game, and, and you can probably, you know, being a Canucks fan, you'll see this, but usually in an NHL team, there's like maybe five or six really popular jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. But with the Golden Knights, it seemed like there were so many different jerseys. So I, in my feature, I went around and tried to find different names on the back of jerseys. And I, I came up with not only the entire roster represented, but guys like Cody Glass that weren't even on the roster yet. And, and I would go up and I'd ask them, you know, a little story about how, how did you get this jersey or why did you select this one? And I tapped the guy in the shoulder that's wearing a glass jersey and, and we start talking. He said, yeah, Cody's my son. And I'm going like, what? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was quite, a, quite a deal. I had two of those that, that day when I did that. I had Cody Glass and Shea Theodore. I met their parents wearing their son's jerseys, and Cody wasn't even on the roster at the time. So, yeah, his fandom is, is definitely huge. I want to let you go on this one, though. I want you to tell us a little bit about the pandemic because we know Seattle and the, the uh, Pacific Northwest was hit really hard when this all came about in March. And how are things doing up there? How, how's everybody doing and how's, how are the numbers and how are things recovering? So my school had about, they had a case almost immediately, but they got on it so fast that life was normal for the next few weeks. Um, then there was another couple in the, the school started getting, okay, we got to shut things down. The last, one of the last days I was there, my roommate and I went to the CERC, the student union, union building to get uh, lunch. And you had all the, it was a day after our governor had said, okay, we got to not have people going in to eat places and stuff. So you had like tables thrown up against the wall. You had to get your order and then wait way outside. It was really weird. Um, Yakima County, which is the county next door to what my school's county. And it is having huge issues due to the agricultural community. They don't exactly understand the rules the best. And so we even had an outbreak actually here in Vancouver in Clark County and because of a fruit processing plant literally like two miles down down the road. So it's Clark County was hit pretty hard, um, but the Portland metro area was hit pretty dang hard too. And then, yeah, add in the protests here, and it's made for 22 new cases and 66 on the coast, which is a lot of the people coming from here and going to the coast. But the Seattle area was the worst at start right now. They've got under control up there somewhat, but at the outpost of it, it was the Seattle area was a complete mess. I mean, it was locked down. Everything was locked down. The, I, I was thinking I was going to be staying at school because that was the only safe place for the time being <laughs> right. until they had an outbreak a few weeks ago over there with the food processing plant, I think was in Chelan County where the wild actually are. Um, <clears throat> but... They seem to have everything under control, but uh, Yakima County is having tons of issues. They really need to get that under control, and I'm sure Canada will be looking at that as two counties away when the wild are to do to start back up. And I think it's just going to take a lot of things. You have Down here, you have a lot of protests. Yesterday, they are marching on like I-405, and there's been riots and looting. It's been pretty bad down here, but I think the general population has been able to stay somewhat safe, and we're just doing what what we can to manage so we'll see how it all pans out well derek harper i appreciate you spending some time with us yeah. tonight give us a little insight from the uh, the great northwest uh i'll let you go on a couple of things you can go ahead and throw out your twitter uh account so people know how to find you uh if they want to follow your work we'll definitely be following it and be in touch uh we look forward to you maybe stopping in uh in midwinter down here to uh to take a look at arizona state so Go ahead, shout out your Twitter account. Yeah, my Twitter is at real Derek Harper. <clears throat> it's um, Derek D E R E K. Uh, yeah, um, right now we're just kind of keeping watch on COVID and how the schools are doing down there, and also another thing I'm hoping to go to actually in Texas, the MLB winter meetings. But um, if everything goes according to plan with school, which it seems to be school is going well, but if everything goes to plan according to plan with COVID. Um, hope to stop down there in December. Maybe check out the downtown Phoenix campus. So yeah, it's um, follow me on Twitter at Real Derek Harper, and we'll be in touch. Thanks for having having me on the on the show tonight. Absolutely, that's Derek Harper, folks, from the Hockey Writers, and covering everything up in the, in the Great Northwest. We appreciate him coming on with us tonight. Let's take another quick break. Stephen and I will be back to wrap up another 
Club Hockey Southwest Weekly in about two minutes. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill, pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. Hi, everybody. This is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Stephen Marsh, still hanging with me up there in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, how are things in Las Vegas? I forgot to even ask you how things were going up there uh, with everything. You told me a little bit of a spike in the COVIDs, but how's everything else going? Well, for the for the weather, it's been uh, been nice the last uh, couple of days. I think today we were in the low low nineties. Uh, the winds finally kind of subsided. It was pretty windy yesterday, uh, so those were nice. Uh, the Henderson City Council, I'll mention this real quick, uh, approved the the contract for the hockey design arena design. So uh, another hurdle, I guess, or another uh, step towards getting that done. Obviously, it's been approved and moving forward, but. They, on Tuesday, approved the contract for the design and the architecture of that hockey room. We talked a little bit about the designs of that last week and what it might look like. So uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be nice. Uh, so uh, everything going uh, pretty good in, in Vegas. The casinos, are, of course, are still open and and people are coming. Um, there's been some concern about people crowding in the casinos and and, and whether there'll be spikes of coronavirus, but um, the the gaming control board here. They uh, they they issued a thing that they're at the gaming tables. If the if there's no pexi glass between the dealer and the and the players, then the, the players are going to have to wear a face covering face covering. So um, and they encourage that anyway. So um, but uh, yeah, everything seemed like going okay. We we heard rumblings that the uh, the NHL will be coming here for their playoffs. I know I'm sure you guys talked about that on the Monday show, but uh, you know it's. It's interesting that it will be the Eastern teams. It looks like it being on the West Coast, and <laughs> and if everything. Works I think out that like caught that, everybody by surprise, Stephen. <laughs> not totally surprised though. I think that you know they don't want to give the Golden Knights a perceived advantage. So if they if, if Vegas is going to be a site, bring the Eastern teams here, and put the uh, Western teams somewhere else. Probably Toronto, I think, is what they're looking at. So, but uh, but anyways. Well, the the best uh, sight for my eyes was seeing both the. Uh, the Coyotes and the Golden Knights being back on the ice, even if it was small group. I know that the foreign players are here now in their 14-day quarantine waiting to get back. And the real kicker for me, Stephen, will be on July 10th if they actually are able to open up training camp and, and get things rolling. Uh, take it back again to uh, club hockey, which is what we talk about. <laughs> I know we keep, getting, we keep deviating <laughs> off of club hockey. I just, there's just so much other things going on, but I know you got the other uh, shows. This is the club hockey show. Uh, we got to stick to club hockey, right? <laughs> Exactly. But the thing with club hockey that I'm most impressed with, and I'm going to give the shout out to UNLV and, and, and Coach Raboni and Coach uh, Greener, because they are keeping things alive, right? They are keeping things in the news. They're talking about something all the time, whether it's a schedule release or the, the fundraising golf tournament, which, by the way, you and I are both going to be at because it is a wonderful time. It's a great time to meet the players up close and personal and, and all the boosters. So, 
we'll plan on that on August 27th. But, uh, you know, that to me is, is what tells you programs are growing and getting stronger. When you can keep in the news year-round, right? There hasn't been hockey played, uh, meaningful hockey at least, uh, in the ACHA since the end of February for the most part. And, and yet we're still talking about teams. We still have stuff to talk about. So that's a good thing right now, as we always do. We're going to do our uh, hashtag pucks on the pod trivia question. I know you got a good one for us. So fire away, Stephen Marsh. And this one is club hockey related. So that's what we're talking about. Let me uh, pull it up here. Uh, as you mentioned, pucks on the pod hashtag at the answer ice time, ice time SW. Let me uh, find the question here. Here it is. Here's this week's question. Being the first Las Vegas-based team to play a hockey game at T-Mobile Arena, on what date did UNLV Skate Rebels, UNLV Hockey, play ASU Hockey, and what was the final score? Oh, it's a two-parter. What date? And what date? And what was the final score? Do we need to know who won two, or is that a given? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, they could put that in there. I mean, mean, I I think we might – we're making it a challenge. Stephen came up with this one. I like it. I was at that game the first time uh, there was hockey played at T-Mobile Arena. It was uh, a really exciting moment, especially in the history of Vegas hockey, and that will always go down as the first hockey game played at T-Mobile. So great question. Read it to us one more time before we get ready to wrap things up. Sure. Uh, it says, you know, uh, being if it was the first Las Vegas-based team to play a hockey game at T-Mobile Arena, on what date did UNLV hockey play ASU hockey, and what was the uh, final score? Uh, fantastic. As we look ahead, Stephen, to uh, to next week's show, uh, as I told you uh, off off air, uh, I have some great stuff coming up because we planned on making um, the month of June kind of schedule release based on what UNLV was doing, but a lot of teams haven't released it yet, and a lot of it's got to do with COVID, so – We've got some shows coming up between now and the end of July where you're going to be able to listen to the coaches talk about their seasons, both men and women. We have a new assistant coach that's going to be running the D2 program at ASU, uh, Joe Dusbavik, who's going to join us, I believe, next week on next week's show. And uh, Lindsay Ellis at the ASU women's program has picked up a new assistant coach, and we'll get her on down the road. And, of course, uh, Danny Roy and uh, his crew will join us from Grand Canyon and talk about their schedule coming up. And, of course, Chad Berman uh, down at uh, the U of A will join us with one of his players as well to talk about his schedule. So lots of stuff happening. Continue to uh, follow us. Subscribe to uh, not only our social media accounts, but definitely the podcast, at ITHSW Podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. Continue to download. We are now, uh, I believe, approaching around 10,000 downloads when you consider all the different platforms we're on so keep tuning in we'll keep trying to provide some great information for you and uh most importantly stay safe out there steven you got any last parting comments before we say good night uh just be well everybody uh you know well i was gonna live when we have any time left but you know there was news about unlv's mascot and if you guys don't know anything about that look into the into the news uh look on uh, on on the internet there's been some uh, news about that. They took down the statue of Hey Reb and, at the UNLV campus, and and there's some talk, some conversations about changing the mascot and the name. So when we talk UNLV hockey, they may not be the Skating Rebels. It might be a different name because they might change the name. So stay tuned on that. But mm. uh, I don't want to get into that because I still haven't figured out exactly <laughs> how I feel about it. But but that was another thing that developed this uh, this last night and the last day. And it's been a lot of talk about it, a lot of good at both sides about it. Of course, with everything going on and. And the con- and some of the controversies around some different things, but and we don't want to get into that. And, and for those that don't know, you are a UNLV alum, so I mean it, yes. it's near and dear to your heart, I'm sure. Yes, yes. You know this the current mascot, Hey Rev, had been around since the '80s, and uh, when they changed it from something that was a little bit more, uh, I guess, controversial, and uh, and now they have decided to maybe make this change again. So, but this is not a new thing. They've, they've talked about changing this for a few years now, and. And it seems like now with everything that's been going on lately in the news and, and everyone knows what's going on there, that uh, that this was uh, the right time to, to start making some moves. So we'll have to see what happens out of that front too. And uh, obviously that affects us because we talk about UNLV hockey here and we'll see how that impacts uh, the name of the, the school and uh, what the mascot might, might look like if it, if, when it gets changed. All right, folks, you heard it. Uh, get on the, uh, the Twitter, get at, at IceTimeSW, get your hashtag 
Pucks on the Pod. Give us the answer to uh, to Stephen's question. And uh, we will see you all next week. Be safe. And uh, let's get hockey back. Let's look forward to seeing some hockey being played at whatever level we can get it at. So for Stephen Marsh, this is Scott Strandy saying good night from uh, Scottsdale and Las Vegas. Uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will send us off with a little De Niro, and we'll see you next week, folks. Be safe, everyone.